Mr. Latimer, how you feeling today, man? I feel great, man. Man, I wanted to say thank you once again. You know, we were talking a little bit before things started. Uh, just, just thank you for the opportunity to be able to learn more about you, pick your brain a little bit, and, you know, hopefully introduce you to a different audience. Um, so I appreciate you for this, man. Hey, not a problem. So before we, you know, begin with questions, man, I just kind of want to kind of reiterate some of the things that, you know, you're known for and how I got to know you. Um, of course, you know, we know you as, you know, a former heavyweight boxer, um, you're a writer, and uh, it's just a list of things that you, you've kind of done. And it's funny, you know, I, I read your book, you know, not caring about what anyone thinks. And that's how I got introduced to you. And then I started following you on Twitter very heavily. And, um, you know, you just become a, a daily person I kind of just lock in with to kind of see, you know, where things are going. Um, and, I, you know, I've shared some of your stuff with people in my circle and just said, hey, this is someone that's really bright that you need to get the perspective on. So, you know, that's kind of how I found out about you. Um, and I just felt like, you know, your story, but especially your story needs to be attached to not just the content because people hear your content. But I want to talk a little bit more about your story, how you got here and, and go from there, if that's OK. Yeah, yeah. Not a problem. Man. OK, so. <clears throat> Let's start where all this story started at the beginning. Um, so, you know, you were born in the 80s, your 80s baby, and you grew up in Pittsburgh, you know, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I did a little research and you kind of talked about your upbringing. It's kind of been one of your constants. You said you've lived like four lives. And in your first life, you kind of talk about, you know, your upbringing growing up in public housing. So, uh, you know, I want to ask this question, man, because, uh, you know, we think a lot of things about Pittsburgh. We know it's just a tough city in general, but... You know, growing up in Pittsburgh in the in the mid '80s, man, like how was that? I'm not much older than y'all. I mean, I'm not much younger than y'all. I was born in '89, but what was Pittsburgh? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I I would imagine it was like most other places, and and that I I don't know how unique my experience was for kids who grow up in, in public housing. Or for a, but I don't know how unique my experience was compared to kids who were growing up in public housing in the eighties. Right, I don't I don't know that, but what I remember, I mean, um, you you don't realize how messed up things are until you go somewhere else and they're like, oh, this is not normal, and that was that was very much kind of my mentality. Like like I had a lot of fun like playing outside in, in the hood, man, and. and what we what we used to do? We used to play in the woods, man. Have rock fights, which is stupid, but that's what we used to do. We all did that, uh, you know, climbing trees and stuff like that, man. It, it was a cool time. I actually couldn't imagine being a kid today because everything we have this this digital society, and and I I feel like this is what I hear, but I feel like a lot of that has been been taken away you know like i had to go meet my friends and play video games at their house there was no network or no internet you know mm-hmm. we're in a we're in a very different world um now but compared to back then i i just feel like i i coped i made it it was it was challenging but it was challenging because i had an awareness of what i didn't have once i had that that changed everything. Um, and then I got that because I wanted more for myself. I wanted to, to try different things. It was really a general curiosity. 
But that curiosity leads to solving problems and then trying to solve problems, you realize, oh, you don't have the means because where you live and what you're in and you, you lack so much and your life is hard because of these things. So, yeah, it's it's that's that's pretty much what it was like. It was like one day it was cool and the next day it was like, wow, we really I'm really uh, <laughs> disadvantaged. This sucks, man. OK, so. I guess it's safe to say then when you were younger, like you knew you knew that you didn't have what you need, but you didn't know how much you didn't have until later in life. Yeah, yeah, that's probably about right. Like, I mean, you you get into a comparison game, you see things that you kids don't know what matters, right? This is this is another thing. Cause I used to think like having video games and being able to eat ramen was cool. And I realized that <laughs> like, nah, man, like my mom was was doing a pretty pretty okay job uh, in this regard. Anyhow, keeping us, keeping us solid and safe and well-fed, even if it meant we didn't have like video games to play all the time. Because if we had a bunch of video games and we were living in the projects, that would be ignorant. And so I think about like some of the things I saw growing up in that regard, yeah, that's just pretty ridiculous because you're not you're not supposed to have a bunch of stuff and be there. But at the same time, you know, how are you gonna get out? It's really hard for people to get out of the, the hood, I think. But the, because because of the mentality to put you there, that's part of it. It's not that now if you had my mentality and you dropped me in, yeah, I'd be out of that shit in like, you know, a month, not even. But if I had my mentality, I wouldn't be there in the first place. So what you're talking about a lot of times, if you want to get people out of these situations, you got to change how they think, and that's very difficult. But but I say all that to say that a lot of a lot of what I noticed I didn't have initially was born of that same mentality. I didn't know what mattered. But as I got older, I was like, oh yeah, you know, you know what else would be cool? Like the ability to take chess lessons or to travel with my friends uh, on school trips or like educational, not like just BS. Um, things of that nature. And, and none of that ever showed up. I, it never was a thing that I'd be able to, um, that I was able to get. So I figured out real quick though, because of that, like how to work for myself. I have, I had, I've been working since I was 11. I got to add a job washing trucks with my uncle because I figured that I'd have to pay for things and cover things myself. So just hearing how you describe that, and then I'm listening to anecdotes about your life, you know, one of the things that people have associated with you is extreme calm and extremely dangerous or volatile situations. You know, like I remember one of your tweets, you know, just talking about how to get out of a street fight because you in that environment, you realize you just don't even want to be in a situation where you have to get there. So, So I ask you, you know, Clearly, I'm, I'm sure you've done work on yourself and probably worked through some of the trauma you've seen. But like, what are what's like one of the earliest examples of like you maybe feeling like if I don't respond correctly, then I could be in danger. If I don't like um, to ignore this, then it could be a problem. No, nah, man, I remember, I remember we was there were these kids that used to make fun of me. And so we made fun of them back. The problem is, man, not everybody can, who dish it out can take it. Yep. So they like ran me down one day and cornered me and they had like weapons. And I had to think like, how am I gonna get out of this? And and it was it was just 
there's no right way out. There's just a bunch of wrong ways, you know. Uh, and and I I think I chose, I think I chose one of the better ways, which is you know now I got to fight, but it, but I learned real fast, you know, the power of words, and, and some people ain't on their rocker, right? You don't you don't have to always fire back with the same level that you fired at because you because you don't you don't realize, man, some of these kids ain't got nothing. People in general don't have nothing to lose, man. Don't have anything to lose. Or this is the close. This is how, or or even worse, uh, this is how they get attention from home being being a mess in the street, and so yeah, that's like that's like one of my earlier memories of of that type of thing. But I also rode this bus man from hell, like my three years in middle school, and there was some kids, man, that were just just straight up bullies, man, just miserable people. And so I learned how to move and carry myself in that environment. Uh, and and here's the thing about dealing with, with bullies, and especially when you understand it, you can avoid a lot of situations if you're cool. You have to, it's, it's important to have a diplomatic mind, but you can't, dip, you can't talk your way out of everything. You got to know when to fight and know when. Yeah, and uh, but but I think the problem is, and this is probably like if we were to give a, a definition of like street wisdom, it's knowing when to fight and when to talk some shit down, uh, and that's not that's not something you are just you. That's not a thing you learn in a book, right? <laughs> you you got to make some mistakes. <laughs> um, you got to learn when it's too much, when it's too little, and. And fortunately, I picked that. Not, not only was I fortunate that I picked that up early, the that balance to walk because because one of the things about socializing, I got a lot of social touches. Like I just always interacted with people. You, you know how like they say in sports, you know, to get better, you got to get your reps, get your touches of the ball. I got a lot of socialization with people, so so I'm very well calibrated socially. And with all with with at any social economic level I've been in, because typically my entrance point, I'm very good and and outgoing and interested in talking to people. So and I always recognize that being shy never made my life easier. Mm-mm. So <laughs> so I recognize that. So I get a lot of touches uh, socially and figured those things out. So I figured those things out. You know. Hey. Okay. Okay. So. You know, the environment kind of shaped you, kind of showed you how to maneuver in difficult situations. Like, so that makes me wonder then, you know, you said your life dramatically changed, like your second life once you got to high school. Yeah. I want to know first, why did your, I'm assuming your mom, why did your mom choose to send you to a school across, you know, across the city? And what were some of the major experiences you got from it? First, man, it wasn't her idea. It was my idea. That's what happened. You get smart, you realize these things. We actually, um, the way it, the way it works in the city, I don't know if it still works this way, uh, but when you are about to go to school, you, or when you're about to go to like high school, I guess, from middle school to high school, you put your name into a magnet, hey, they are to to a lottery, and then you can go to schools that are not in your neighborhood feeder zone mm-hmm. I got you, like the and i realized very quickly i needed to go to a different school i didn't want to go to the same school with the same assholes 
uh, for another four years. <clears throat> and so that was where that came from. That was my insight. And I knew what most of the people that I had started to interact with because they had this program, the gifted program in, in our school system where one day a week you went to school with people from other schools out of different building. And a lot of the people that I had befriended who I like looked up to and I thought were cool. I was like, okay, I want to go where they're going. And they had a good, they had a good sports and arts program. Really uh, the school I went to, I, I just, it's a watershed moment. And as I think high school is for most people, but in terms of the direction my life could have gone, not just the people I would have been forced to be around, but the people I did not get exposed to, uh, that was was a life changer. But, but in terms of that, like that, that's why I ended up there. That was all me. That was not because my, my sister did not have that initiative. And she went to the school <laughs> where everyone else went. And her, her story is different. But uh, some of the big changes, um, things that you, this is where you really see like what you think is normal. It's not normal. I'd never been into a home with two parents before I got to high school. All of my, almost all my friends had both parents at home that I made. That's a big deal. It's a very big difference. I never went to school with so many people who had never been in a fight. They take fights seriously, but you, or you're not from the street, so they don't fight. And then if it happens, parents pitch a fit because the parents, you know, care. There's usually one that can devote that time. It's not trying to also work and they, they pick that school. I went to school with a lot of kids. My high school, Shinley High School, was a public high school. But a lot of kids who went there, uh, their parents specifically overlooked uh, the the more prominent private schools that they could have sent them to to send them to Shinley. So there was a lot of a, a lot of influence that was coming into the school. A lot of top notch, high caliber people, and that's one of the, the uh, that's one of the things that they really reflected on me because I was in class with those people the way they sliced it up there was a I don't remember uh there were different academic there were like different academic levels based on like how you wanted to challenge yourself rigorously how rigorously and and what your grades were like coming in and so I was because I did work hard working I was in the class with those kids and so it was a different life it was a different world I and it really showed me okay um, you, you get when you get exposed to something, then you can know what you can go after, right? If I had gone out of the school, I wouldn't have known that. But there, you know, I see, oh, I'm like, oh, there's like good families <laughs> and and people who don't live in the hood, people who always got food in the house. It was just a weird world, man. I couldn't figure out. Like I had one friend, for example, his family never let him have video games. And I thought that was weird. Mm. until I figured out well, when he just went to the arcade, but like uh, they, they would never spend money on video game systems for him. But, but he was well-educated. There was the house was full of books. So that kind of thing. Man. Oh. Okay. So, man, this, this makes me wonder then. So you went to one of the elite schools in the city. You were involved in the gifted program. But this is where I, I guess I'm, you know, and I'm not going to say confused, but it's ironic. You know, you've been one of those people who say, you know, you don't really always fully see the merits of school, but you went to one of the elite schools and graduated from it. How do you reconcile the two? Uh, 
Okay, so when I say that, mm-hmm. now we get it's it's a more nuanced, no more nuance, right? Yeah. Okay. So, if uh, all things considered equal, and they but they rarely are, but all things considered equal, I think a person would be better off educating themselves in. Or rather, we want to say educating themselves because kids don't, to, up to a certain point, don't really know shit about what they were interested in. But I think they'd be better served in, in being directed at home or in, in a co-op. Like my, my, my fiance was homeschooled, but they were in a co-op system, which is, which is brilliant. In fact, I don't, I don't know why more people don't do it, um, which is where it's, it's a community of homeschoolers. So they're not homeschool like away from other people that they can still enroll in like the the extracurriculars but the academic aspect of it they're all being you know the the parents swap out and teach different things or they bring in someone that they vetted and they think will be be a good educator my issue with the school system as it stands now is that it's designed to it's designed for the lowest common denominator and you're penalized or at the very least not nurtured if you are a high achiever. Not only that, it wasn't like this when I was in school, but now uh, there's an ideological slant. Everything has become more than just teaching. Yeah, it's, it's a political angle. And, you know, I, I, I also think I also think um, people are capable of quite a lot more than the school system tries to get them or, or, or gives them. I mean, from everywhere from language to math to what they're capable of reading. I just I don't think the school system does a good job. And it's not really designed to do a good job. It's designed to produce someone to be fed into the the system. What we're witnessing right now is is unlike anything ever in history, because for the first time ever, knowledge is not only decentralized, but it's omniscient or omnipresent. That's what I mean. It's decentralized and it's omnipresent. What I mean by that is there, there is no one of the appeals of the Ivy League, right, was that you went to the Ivy Leagues and you got an Ivy League education. Yep. Well, now you can get the same type of education on the internet without right? for free. And then it turned into, you know, I remember when computers were a thing for the upper class, people money. Now everyone's got this. <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't even, this costs more. Well, not this. I, my MacBook costs more than this phone. But this costs more than my other computers, a lot of computers, but they figured out a way to make it make everyone have one. So now what we're what we're seeing is a system that directly competes and it just does in a, in a superior way. You you notice the great switch they pulled on us, not on us because I was out of school by then uh, during the pandemic. It was all right. We're just gonna have you stay home and watch YouTube videos, and I'm like. Well, I remember when I was getting my degree in physics, one of the few degrees I think you need to be in school to get. Uh, when I didn't understand something, I would I had to really dig and find some lectures. And that was really to understand peripheral concepts 
so I could still solve the problem. Because the way physics work is no professor in the right mind will just take your answer. You have to explain how you got there. And so that's that's my general beef with the education system, higher and compulsory. Mm-hmm. It's not just the college thing. It's not just the high school thing. I think that people are interested in so much more and can do so much more. But the way the system um is taught and the and what they deem to be important they they do a horrible job of preparing us for the world we face i would love to see how schools are going to look in the future but right now the system it is the old system and is just slamming head first into the new one technology is changing too fast you can't um, and 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 you can't just you you can't compete on knowledge now like like remember um, you're 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 a millennial as well so you, you there was a point where like knowing shit like you didn't you memorized it you got away because you knew it no 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 now your memory is worthless because everyone has a smartphone you, yeah. you probably were still part of the air where they were telling people what are you going to do you're not always going to have a calculator well not only do you always have a calculator you always have an encyclopedia <laughs> and the ability to talk to anyone on the planet like that is is a new the new world one so perhaps at one point the school system was a thing that and its function was more good than bad I sincerely believe, especially at the price point of higher education, it is at best a distraction. And at worst, it is a retardant. Like, it's just not one of those things that uh, people should, should uh, for most things do. I, you know, there, there are still a few disciplines you need to be in there. But in those disciplines, you don't need to take effing two years of prerequisites that have nothing to do for the sake of being well-rounded. We, we need, you know, I, I care more that my surgeon is, is good at cutting me. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, you know, yes, yeah, some, some other life experience or whatever, but you get that on your own. Hmm. That's my, my, my beef with college really, hey, or with college you. and school. I'm letting you know now. I have absolutely no qualms with what you said. Even as I work in the system, I see the flaws in the system and feel the same way. So, no, nah, I, I, I appreciate you saying what I was thinking. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I tutored kids for three years. Um, the first year, I needed to do it. And then the second and third year, I, I loved it so much, I kept going. And one of the things that I, that I really noticed, they because I was a math and physics tutor, that's what I study. And those subjects give most people fits. And you know why they give most people fits? It's not that we're, I genuinely believe no one is innately bad at math. But what math and physics are, they're the first, if not the only subjects outside of maybe foreign language where a kid uh, can no longer just regurgitate. They have to think. They have to solve problems. They have to explain and defend their thought process. And and it's not like when you argue in a paper where, okay, you defend your argument, so your argument sounds like, no, 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 no. You got the, the right answer. How did you get it? It's not just enough to be right. You have to know why you're right. You have to be able to conceptualize and think, solve a problem where it's not clear even what the problem is you're solving, right? 
And and I think that's that's fascinating. I've just watched it so many times. You change how they they think and get them to understand that you can't memorize this. Once you once they get that they can't memorize it, that's <laughs> like that's always the wall. But that's how most of the system is set up, even in the face of having this. And that's crazy to me. <laughs> and so that, that's like, so, okay, so when I think, well, yeah, I've got, I've got a very recent experience because I did that up until, when did we move to Portugal? I did that up until 2019. So, so I've got very recent experience uh, working with people and tutoring in the school system. So that's, that's where my, my, my beef against the school system comes. Okay, okay. So let me let me see if I can help pivot that. Okay, so you graduate high school. Break down the time in between that because I, I know eventually you go you go on to get you know your BA in physics. But did you you originally <laughs> gave uh, you originally gave uh, college you gave it a college try, right? Yeah, man. Three semesters, but not even three semesters, but two semesters. Did miserable. Was just drinking and partying all the time. Um, and then failed out. And then I was, you know, in between. I started boxing during this time. Um, but I didn't get my degree. I didn't graduate until, until 2018. There's just, and that's because I just woke up one day and I was like, yeah, man, I'm tired of like these shitty jobs. I was working at T Mobile when I made the realization. Uh, I was 20. Yeah, I was 27 because I remember what I did when I turned 28. I was 27 and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do something to finish school to open up the opportunities in my life because this is rough. Because I was boxing and when you're boxing, right, or when you're doing anything on a high level, which I was doing boxing at a high level. Uh, people don't. People give you a pass. Like I tell my girl all the time, like you only know, like, like like I would hope that if I wasn't fighting, you'd be like, "Who is this loser?" Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in me, because outside of fighting, that's that's what I was. You know, like like when you're working in in, in retail for nine twenty eight an hour, it's not as bad as if you, you know you're doing it because you're going to the gym, which is part of the reason. I'm not gonna lie, because uh, I didn't need that freedom and flexibility to train. But I also knew that, like, if I got injured, it's not like I could go and suddenly uh, get a higher-paying job. I didn't have the skills or the background. So I enlisted in the Army, did the Army thing. and for, for but, I, but I did it as a National Guard soldier so I could be home and go to school. Sorry. And started, I started going to school. And, and I enrolled my first class in 2012, right? Because I enrolled before my the school starts in January. 2012 and graduated in uh, May 2018. And what you don't hear in that, like that sounds like four years. Man, let me tell you something. It was actually a whole semester off. But but what I did is I, I was killing myself taking 18 credits a semester Ooh. for seven semesters in a row. So and then and then I had to like take a break at the end because I <laughs> and stretched it out longer than it had to be. I could have graduated in three in three years, but uh, I, I 
it ended up working out to be four because I made up all that time on the front end, but then on the back end between taking a semester off, it almost fell in a semester and having to redo some classes. Yeah, it was it ended up being a bit of a being a bit of a party. Man. So you know what? I want to peel that back, but before I peel it back, I know you mentioned boxing. I got some questions with that. Okay. Because um, if I remember correctly, you played football coming up. I played football in high school, and then I tried to play in college. I played one one year in college. Okay. So I guess my question is, out of all the sports, even out of all the martial arts, what made you pick boxing? And that's that's question one. And I know you were at one point working with Rock Nation Sports. Yeah. And you talk a lot about your pro sports career. I want you to talk about how the pro sports boxing circuit is. But first, what made you pick boxing? Uh, easiest path to entry, man. <laughs> I didn't start boxing until I was 22. 22. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so this is like, I'm not going to go play baseball. I'm not going to walk onto <laughs> a gridiron. I'm not, I have, I am not the black dude that can play basketball. I do what I do want to take like six months and like really learn how to everything like, 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 but I can't talk. So my option I was looking for things to do because because there's a story I tell. There's a really important story in my life. I actually went and thanked this woman um, in person. I had thanked her over the internet two or three times, and I thanked her in person. When I dropped out of school, the first time I was uh, I was dating this girl, and her and, and I was bitter on college, and I was talking all the time to trash about college, Terry by. And I still think the same way. I just have a degree now, so you can't say shit to me. And and one of the things, uh, one of the people that listens, her mom. Well, her mom is a college professor. Okay. So one day she said, like, let's pretend you're right. Let's pretend college is, is a, a waste. What have you done with your life for the past four years other than show up here and eat my food? And then she threw me out. Uh but that was the first time somebody had really checked me with some hard love, man. And and I went back. I actually, she reached out to me, uh, give me condolences. My mom passed in December, and so I stopped by and said, said hello to her, and we we talked and everything. And and I just I tell her all the time that I tell that story because that is the thing that made me start boxing. Like I looked at two options for getting my life together: the military. And boxing, and I said, "Oh, I don't really. I'm not feeling this Iraq invasion shit. So let me <laughs> let me um find the gym and start fighting. So that that um that's how it's it started and everything with with being an amateur fighter. And and I had a great amateur career. Um, really, uh, and a stellar amateur career. Really, I was just." Cause I, I have an interview coming out and they wanted some numbers. I, I went and looked up some stuff. I was like, yeah, man, I had a good career. I had such a good career that it only took me six pro fights to get noticed by rock nation. And then they signed me to, to the, to their promotion outfit, which was a little more money, not much. Cause boxing is terrible in this regard to there ain't no money, but it was it's a it's a good time, man. What you what you learn about how 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 can I describe pro fighting? Pro fighting is is 
there are three kinds of people in, in pro fighting, two, three kinds of fighters. There are your fighters who are like the blue chip stocks. Everybody is like investing and they are going to get picked up by a promoter. Mm-hmm. They tend to have a strong amateur career and connections. Um, I wasn't quite a blue chip stock, but I had a, I had a great amateur career and I didn't have strong connections. I, I got picked up by a promoter. Oh, but I didn't get picked up right out of my amateur days. Like I'm turning pro sign me. Like, no, I had to had to prove a little bit. And then there are your fighters who ain't ever going to do shit in the sport. Damn. And and they and and this is like most of them. And it's because most people really don't know a thing about fighting. There aren't a lot of the, there aren't that many great coaches and the coaches that are good, people know who they are and they end up um, locked down and not really interested in taking on someone. So you got to prove yourself and all that. And then um, the other thing is, is just boxing is, is there's some smart people at the top of boxing, a lot of Harvard educated motherfuckers. Like, like people don't know that. Um, But, but that's why, the, the 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 top guys are the top guys. There, there aren't a lot of upsets in boxing. That's another way to put it. Mm. The reason why there aren't a lot of upsets is because they know they know how to, to make fights. That they they're looking at you and they go well and they have their pick because they're bringing up a fighter and they have the money. So so if I'm like, let's say I'm the prospect, right? I've got a record of twenty and zero, and I got to get. Another, we're putting on another fight, big fight on a TV show. They want to test me, but they don't want to make it too easy. They want to make sure I'm developing. So we got two fighters. We got a fighter um, with with a record of 11-0, and 0, but he got it all against bums. Okay? Can't fight for shit, but he don't know that because he ain't been out of his little podunk town in West Virginia. Or you got this guy who's six and ten, but this motherfucker can 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 throw leather, and and he he's been the victim of what I what we call home cooking, where they where, where they've been bringing guys, he, like he's been being picked up as an opponent, and he was be he beat the dudes, but it was the hometown guy, so they gave him the fight. They're going to always go with that 11-0 guy because there's no chance that guy's going to win. But that 6-10 and 10 guy? He's going to win. He's hungry. He might win. He's not. He, and and so and you don't want that guy to win because what, what, the, what the fuck do you do with him, right? Uh, you don't sign him because he's, he's, got, a, he's got an upside-down record. Uh, but, but you know, and now you've lost your prospect that you've invested in. This is like, this is how it goes. And they've got the choice. It's not like there's some kind of independent body that makes the, the, the fights, right? This is one of the things that the UFC had, did incredibly well when they built the promotion is they made, they avoided this shit because this has really given boxing a different, it's, it's bad. I, I don't think it's good for boxing, but uh, it is what it is, but there, there's that. I mean, in terms of like the pro game, it's not much different than the amateur game, except you get paid to deal with the shit. 
Um, and you still got to deal with the shit. I have I had guys pull out on me in in the pro fights. They were getting a paycheck, so they didn't want to fight. Why? Who knows? And my ego says I'm afraid. They were afraid, but the reality is they were just pieces of shit. But more than likely, because there's a lot of guys like that in fighting, because there's no barrier to entry. Think about this: you got all the things in the world you can do, and you decide you want to go bust heads for money, and you ain't really gonna make that much money. <laughs> I can tell you now. Me and my buddy Cam talk about this all the time. Yeah, who he's also a fighter, but much better, much highly decorated uh, amateur. That that most people in boxing ain't like me uh, on any level. And when you remember that, yeah, <laughs> you yep. know, I get where you're going with it. Yeah, so it, that that's how that that ends up happening. So so let me ask this because I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this. Who would you who I don't like doing comparisons, but who influenced or who would you say you might have patterned parts of your style from as a boxer? Oh, uh, that's easy, man. Uh, we studied because I'm only six one. Okay, and that is a midget for yeah, for for, professor, for 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 heavyweight boxing. Like yeah, I'm just, I mean, that's a hard. I mean, I, I drew the short stick, man. That's There ain't no BS about that. So what we did, we had to figure out a way to compensate for that. And that means that I I modeled my style off of, off of Mike Tyson mm-hmm. and Joe Frazier. Two guys that, that made use of their, their height and, and gifts and did it in a great way. Oh, and uh, we, I also watched, though I'm not built like him, um, Horizontally, a lot of David Tua. David Tua was only 5'11, but David Tua did a, hey, it was just a broad, stocky dude with these massive shoulders that he would, can always raise at the last minute to deflect the punch. Had a great, powerful Hulk and good inside fighter. Because if you're going to be short, I mean, you know, not that you have a choice, but like uh, if you're short or you you have to have a good inside game, man, there is. <laughs> There's just no way. I mean, you got to be the higher up you get, you got to be a good inside fighter, period. You got to be good in all aspects. But when, when you first start out, the, the inside game has got to be where you're gonna where you're gonna shine and you have to understand how to close the distance against a taller fighter, which is something you don't have to do if you're a taller fighter, because why would you ever, if you're six six, why would you ever close the distance? You should be trying to play it and hold it out there. Like like Klitschko just dominated the division for years with that jab. You watch Lennox Lewis with his with his with his jab and his one two. He's gotta have to close the distance. Mike Tyson does. <laughs> you know, Joe Fraser does. I'm trying to think, is anybody short in the headweight that has come along in a while? Andy Ruiz is not short, but he is shorter. He had 6'3", and Andy Ruiz is built like, you know Andy Ruiz is like? Andy Ruiz is like a David Tua, an athletic David Tua. That's what Andy Ruiz is like. That motherfucker, like, they call him, he's fat, but he's <laughs> he's got hand speed like no other and power. I mean, he dropped Joshua. Okay. Okay. So, I guess this now starts to bring us all full circle. So you get on the scene, you amass a record. Around this time, you know, I guess from boxing, how do you go from boxing to becoming a National Guardsman? 
And what did you get from your experience as a National Guard? I, I know it helped you with your sobriety. That's when you made the decision to stop drinking. But what was one of the biggest things that you got from being in the National Guard? And how did you go from boxing to the National Guard? Uh, well, it wasn't from. It was at the same time. Okay. Uh, people, a lot of people, when they ask these questions, they ask, like, from, from, like, no, no, 2015 to 2017 was, was hell on earth because I don't know how I did it. Uh, but yeah, so it was at the same time. But in terms of what I got, man, so I'm not gonna lie to you, right? This this is what I learned is that the military is you you gotta think a certain way, or rather not think a certain way to be an effective soldier. And they actually do a good job of testing for this. I failed that test, but my ASVAB, my physical scores were so high, they let me pass. I'm a it was two points to um that they test for your ability to like follow orders and shit like that. I'm not good at it uh, because I gotta know why. Like, because like, there were certain things that just it wouldn't make sense. Like, if it makes sense, I can shut up. But what you realize that a lot of stuff don't make sense. Um, it, it just doesn't. Uh, and I don't claim to be this great strategist, but at the same time. We're, we're just, we're not, we're not, it's the old way and we're in a new era. And on top of that, now, you know, there's like, like I always, I never cared because I was always in good shape, but they don't have uh, physical standards that are equal. I think that's stupid that if we're going to, we're going to call women equal, but then have them and have them do the same job, but they're held to different standards that, that bugs me. Um, I, I don't have anything against any of the people I, I was with, man, that they are some great people. I got some good friends still to this day, but but I could not in good conscience. Well, that's not true. If I was, you know, if I was if I was active duty, I probably would have had a different experience. But but being in the reserves in many ways is like the worst of both worlds because you you sign up. Because you think, oh, I'll get the best of both worlds. And the reality is not. It's always a trade-off. Not only are you not being paid a full-time, like, soldier's salary with those benefits and, and all, but it's also kind of hard for you to hold a job because you got to, if you if you do any kind of shift stuff, you got to go go leave, you know, so. Uh, but but I wish I had some crazy lessons that I could I could give you, but, but I went into the military already on a trajectory up here for change and there wasn't a lot that I needed around me so it was more like here is what I have to do and this is what needs to be done I picked up some practical skills like like I'm much better with wiring and and fixing electronics but that was my MOS so so you mean to tell me from that period of 2015 to 2017 you were in college Boxing. For physics, by the way. Yeah, you was in college for physics, boxing, and in the National Guard Reserve. Damn. And writing on my website. So, and, okay, so when did you start your blog, and when did you make the decision to say, hey, you know what, I might be able to actually make a career out of this? So I started the blog in 2012. I actually have, I don't think I need a poster up now because I just, I'm a better writer and I got rid of them. But uh, I was actually writing posts by hand in basic training and mailing them back to a friend to update on my site. Like I've had the site now 
for uh, 10 years. This is the 10 year anniversary of the website. Congratulations. And, uh, thanks. And in terms of when I was like, oh, well, when, 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 I'm about to, when does this make sense? When will it make me money? Oh, man. Or, or rather, well, it started to make money a long way, but when I was like, oh, let me go full time and, and, and all in on this. Uh, well, see, here's the thing, because I, I started making so much from social media first, and then my, my email list and my my website did the trick, but if you want to talk about like the first sale where I coordinated kind of my email list and social media, the email list that I had put together from from um, my website, 2017, Black Friday to be exact, because I had done, I did a sale with somebody on Black Friday and made, made eight grand and then that same month, my my piece on Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method started picking up. So we, this was my first time in Portugal. We did we did New Year's in Portugal, uh, Christmas and New Year's in Portugal. And that week, every day, I made more money than I spent from my article that I just affiliate I affiliated for. So I was like, oh okay, so that's how this works. Passive, like in, in the purest sense, there's some passive income. <laughs> like I wrote the article, now it just keeps working for me. So let me ask that then. Out of out of all the venues to express yourself, potting, public speaking, what made you decide to do writing first, and how has writing impacted your life? I've always wanted to write. From a practical standpoint, it just fits. If it's easier to me, which which doesn't mean it's objectively easier it's just it feels right for me i didn't have the equipment either for anything else like podcasting or video and i started with writing because i always had the, the computer and the laptop in front of me uh, writing is writing has changed my life because it's it's allowed me to connect with so many people and it's allowed me to make make so much money like i don't I could I could have never boxed and probably still had the site right and been good, but there's a certain appeal that there's a guy that fought and wrote. But like in terms of if I had to pick one of the three things that people like put on me, physics, uh, boxing, and my writing, I could not get rid of the writing, and have have my life look the way it looks. I could get rid of one or the other and still somehow get here. I think. Um, but I couldn't get rid of it, right? That's just, that set the tone. That set, set up so much for me. Um, well, it, it, like I was telling you before the call, before we started, it, it's always this, this walking, talking resume that shows people how I think and my contribution to the world. There are a lot of people that have been writing to have had websites as long as I've had. And, and I model what I do off of other guys that are more successful than me. Uh, who have been running websites like James Clear and Mark Manson are two guys who I look at what they're doing and I try and learn a lot from it. They're dope. Um, so, so then this makes me wonder, because um, I have this question. I have to go, okay, I got it. I had, had to look at my notes real quickly. <laughs> what was your first, like, aha moment? Like, or no, I ain't going to say aha. What was your first moment? Like, I think I've arrived. Have you ever felt that way? 
I mean, I remember when I realized that I could make money on will, and that <laughs> so when I so so May 2018, um it was a it was a big it's a big shift. Uh, I got injured. I was planning for a comeback fight, but I got injured, had to call the fight off. I graduated with my degree, and it was also the first time I made five figures in a month from the internet. And and it, I really, and not just condo five figures, I did a sale where I had like 24,000, and then, and then I did a, um, I was affiliated with somebody and they were in a special and I made like an extra 10 there. And then my books made like five. I was like, wow, I'm in a really good position here. <laughs> uh, we can really do some stuff now. So that that's, the, that's when it clicked. I mean, the, the, the thing about this lifestyle is like, that's not guaranteed. I, I have had months since then where I made, well, not no money, but certainly not 40 grand. <laughs> I know what you're saying. So like it, 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 but I'm, but I'm always learning and getting better, and I'm always growing too. So that, that's that's a, a surviving grace or a saving grace. Mr. Lattimore, uh, you know, aside from aside from both of your bestseller books, what are some key books that you've been exposed to that changed the course of your life? If you had to name three or five, because I'm not gonna lie, that hundred million dollar offer book that you put on your page, that book is amazing. So. It just made yeah, that's that's great. I didn't start reading that until now. That, that's a really awesome book. Uh, of course, America has changed my life. Uh, it, it taught me how to forgive, which which completely changed how I interact with my mother. And I'm really happy because because I'm the only one suffering when I don't forgive. And then and now I can have a real relationship or I had a real relationship with my mom. So that that made a big difference. That's the book I tell everyone to read. We want to talk about one that's gonna that will change your life. That will change your life. I still have my copy and, and I go through it every now and then. It's a really long book. It's not uh, <laughs> short. I didn't, I didn't get past the Jay lit. Once I saw where Jay got the lyric from, I kind of was like, all right, maybe I can close this for now. Nothing nothing real can be threatened. Nothing that real exists. I was like, oh, I might need to close it after this. But I'm going to yeah, keep that, it. Nah, check it out. That's a, that's a good, good book, man. Okay. So Course of Miracles, are there any other ones that you would recommend? Maybe a, another... You can name two or three or one more if you'd like to. Um, I mean, in other, well, even when I compare it to the Course of Miracles, I call the others like superficial changes, like the um, like the art of learning. That'll teach you about learning, to think about how you think. And Ataoji Kundo, I, I like Bruce Lee's analogies yeah. to combat. And you can really, I just did a write-up on it on my website. You could, um, take those analogies because fighting is so analogous to other areas in life and you if you you look and see how he approaches fighting and systems you can see and apply the same thing to other areas so those are the three books i always tell people taoji kundo course in miracles and the art of learning but like one above all others uh the the course in miracles okay um so let's pivot that but same thing what are some movies, some key movies that you feel like were instrumental to your development as a man? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't. I never looked at movies that way. Uh, they just never. I have my favorite movies, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they're instrumental 
to my development. I'm a big fan of like Man on Fire is my favorite movie. Okay. By 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 a long shot, Man on Fire, and then oh, what else? The Fountain, Man on Fire, The Fountain, and Interstellar. Those three. But those are my favorites. I mean, but but they're just they explore different themes and stuff like that. Those are three very different movies. Okay, okay. Um, I got a few more questions. I don't want to monopolize too much of your time, but I have a few more. Okay, what? Well, yeah, keep going. Okay. Um, so you know, I I know that fitness is a key part of your life, and I, I saw one of your tweets the other day, man. You were talking about you know even when you had your physical, there were still some aspects of your health that weren't a hundred percent like stellar. So what do you do to kind of maintain a healthy lifestyle? And, a, you know, how do you make sure that you stay in a level where you feel comfortable at? I don't drink. I don't eat bullshit. And, uh, and, and I, I will try work, not, not try cause it's get up and go. I work out four days a week, at least that's the low end. Try to take a walk two or three days a week with my girl, and yeah, it's and that's low in two three days a week. We just got back from a walk now, so uh, pretty much like when you when you I go after the big wins, man. Like the big win, not drinking uh, alcohol and not smoking, huge win. I'm not consuming calories, not knocking anything out of my life. Uh, weight training and and high intensity working out, one the huge win. Just keep that going, right? Um, I don't, I don't want to say I don't eat refined carbs, but but they are a few and far between. Not not a big staple in my diet, um, and, and even my favorite snack food is popcorn. Like when I get off of here, we're gonna go to dinner, and I'm gonna pick up some popcorn all the way back so we can finish watching the show. It's good. But uh, th- th- that's what you got to do. I mean, it, it's. And you know what's crazy, man? Uh, as long as you you lift and train and eat well, because I'm 37 now, and I look at people my age, man, and nobody, people don't, if they were fortunate enough, they don't understand and think of fitness is so important and a key component. To me, it's the most important component. Like, that's the only reason I want more money is to keep, Stay healthy, like like now that I'm over injecting myself. Like I used to be afraid. Now now I shoot myself up. Uh, I'm on a, I'm on some Moreland, which is a growth peptide. Uh, so and it's just great stuff, man. Like like there's so many ways to. It's like education. You use now health stuff is decentralized, and like I'm, I take metformin twice a day to keep my insulin sensitivity high, to help me with that because that's really important. Like like we look at. When you look at the top killers of, of people across the board, seven of them are related to insulin sensitivity, either directly or as, as a likely uh, derivative. It's easy stuff. I'll be the first one a lot. In fact, that reminds me, I have a, um, I have a, um, I go get a carnitine drip um, once a month to help with fat burning. Just keep, <laughs> so little stuff like that. I'm not gonna lie. When you definitely listed that, uh, what you were taking the insulin sensitivity, I definitely put that in a bookmark. Um, because you know I'm I'm not 
I'm not on your level of fitness. I'm not sub 15% body fat. Well, I'm not sub 10% body fat, but I was just like, I'm pretty active. But, you know, when I went and got my physical, she was just like, look, you know, the carb levels was kind of high. Pretty, You know, you have to be careful, pre-diabetic. And, you know, that's why I refined how I eat. But I was like, you know, just insulin sensitivity, even if you think you're active, it can still be a thing because of. Yeah, because of what you eat and, and what you, yeah, what you eat pretty much. Yeah. And we and the older you get, you get because when you young, you do eat anything, not anything, but it's harder. But but now, like, dude, I mean, I had I've had moments where I I was like, wow, I do not fight anymore. I cannot eat like you know what? The, the, there was a brief moment. This would have been at the beginning of two thousand and nineteen. Uh, I was like, I was like, damn near eighteen percent body fat. I was like, whoa, let's yeah. fix this. Um, and, but but I had to learn how to eat and and live not like a guy who's burning five six thousand calories a day anymore because I'm not that guy and I'll never be that guy again probably. Just a lot more. I got one more question for you because I like right. I said I know you got dinner to go to. You got time with your with your lady. I understand. Um, what can people expect from you? at this point in your career? You know, I know you have things that you still have to accomplish despite all that you've accomplished. What can people expect from you in the direct future and in the faraway future? Well, I got to give a tip. Well, I don't have to. I applied and I got accepted. I'm giving a TED Talk in, in May, in May Absolutely. 7th. So I'll be doing that. Um, I started a new, new podcast show with my buddy, uh, Cam Awesome, that's his actual last name. Motherfucker changed it. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. And I'm working on my next book, Hard Lessons from the Hurt Business, about, about boxing. And, and yeah, a writing course, porn course. I need to slow down. Um, <laughs> it's just it's a lot. I want to, because because now I've realized kind of what what my value is and I, I should be able to, to earn the, the goal is to earn $1 million. I'm probably a little behind on that this year, but we're going to get there quickly. And that's the goal. Mr. Lamar, I appreciate you taking time to even just tell us your story and everything you went through. And man, it was a, it's a lot of information in there. And I, I really hope, you know, that, you know, I really hope that it's a value to people the way it's been a value to me. So, awesome, man. Hey, no problem. I, I thank you for taking the time and listening. I'm gonna take off now. Hey, I got a question. Are you Samuel or Solomon? So, uh, my real name is Samuel Wright, but I, I have a pseudonym of Solomon Hill Fleet when I was kind of writing in like a urban romance lane. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yo, you still got that shit up? Yeah. Oh man, you should. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, send me the link for that. Oh man, I definitely do that. Damn, I'll be on it, man. <laughs> yeah, shoot, that. shoot me the Amazon link. Shoot it to me right uh Twitter. But I'm gonna take off now because I can get some food in my system. I understand, man. Hey, thank you. And I will I'll communicate with you from here, but I appreciate the opportunity. So hey, no problem, man. Have a good night. Thank you, man. You too. Peace.